Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast Season 2, Episode Number 3. Tegan, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing pretty well. We're getting near the, closer to the end of winter, so I'm definitely looking forward to the spring. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully, you know, some other good things will come with the, the warmer weather, and eventually we'll be able to get back to the tabletop in person. Uh, I know that'll be great. Uh, roll some physical dice. I definitely miss that part of the game. Yeah, it's been months since actually probably about a year since I've actually rolled a dice uh, and not just clicked the button. Uh, I'm looking for I've got like a ton of dice that I actually need to get some use of out of. Yep, absolutely. They're they're kind of my fidget spinner. I've got a set on my desk, and during the day I, I just roll them and, and whatnot. And uh, for all the uh, crap that uh, roll twenty gives me, uh, you know, I'd like to leave the fate into the physical version for a change. Same here, and I keep seeing like um, I read it in just different Facebook feeds of like these cool gamer tables you can get or make yourself. Where you have like the the screen and the table. I got those things are pretty sick. If you haven't seen them, like check them out on Reddit. I forgot what they're called exactly, but put like D and D game table. Like there's some sweet stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely, indeed. So uh, welcome everybody to episode three of this year. Thank you to everyone, all of our followers and listeners of the podcast, and of course, to all of our other content. Uh, We recently hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is amazing. A huge thank you to all of you. Uh, That's definitely a platform that we want to utilize more ourselves. We we definitely want to uh, get some more stuff up there, so we're working on it. But it seems that you all love our actual play content, and that's going to keep coming. So a uh, huge thank you there. And just in general, uh, Instagram, uh, Patreon, everything that's out there, Twitter, uh, thank you to all that are following us. Uh, always check out DungeonJediMasters.com for links to all of that. Uh, speaking of that Patreon, we do have uh, two new uh, Tier 3 members, Nathan and Rick. Big shout out to you two. Uh, so they have been put into the play-by-post, the exclusive play-by-post game that we are uh, getting ready. Probably here at the end of this week, we'll look to have the players that uh, can get up and ready, uh, you know, start that story. And uh, one thing we talked about, Tegan, which is I think we're going to have the uh, role play aspect, uh, the role play channel, chat, text, etc., uh, public so that everyone can follow the story along, which I think will be a cool feature of that game. Definitely. And just what I've seen from the backstories or kind of the, the concepts so far, uh, they're going to have some sweet characters. So definitely, if you're already if you're on the server, check it out. But if you're not, check out, get involved with our Dungeon Jedi Masters Discord server. Be, even if you don't want to play, it'd be cool to watch along and just kind of see what the heroes will face. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that uh, for sure. So uh, beyond uh, that, uh, well, also related to Patreon, uh, as of this episode, uh, we also have our part one of our Patreon adventure that we're going to do a plot point campaign uh, for this year. So there's going to be six total adventures that we will release, and uh, we have part one out today for this episode. Tegan, uh, if you want to introduce that and kind of set the uh, 
set the story for that. Definitely. So this uh, it's going to be a pretty versatile campaign for the era. Um, we're setting it in the old Republic era, but this is going to be the Empire versus the Republic. So super easy to fit into uh, if you could just switch the things up and make a Rebellion era. Or if you wanted to make it a Clone Wars era, you can just switch it up a few pieces and just change it up. So we wanted to make it versatile so you can kind of plop it into your uh, game table and make it run with these. Uh, but just for ease of character creation and concept, it's going to be old Republic. Uh, but basically for session one, uh, it's going to start on Alderaan, uh, and basically the king has put out the call first. Uh, the empire is uh, steadily increasing, uh, making their presence known within Republic territory, uh, and now they're a stone throw away from being able to take Alderaan, uh, and he's reaching out to adventurers to help uh, kind of support his defense and help uh, make sure his planet doesn't fall to the empire. Uh, so characters will start there. It's starting at level four uh, for the adventure, uh, and then basically uh, you guys will see if you're able to combat the Empire and stop them from uh, invading and sieging Old Ron. Uh, should be a fun one. Uh, it has some cool concepts into it, so uh, if you're already on Patreon, uh, it should be I think it'll be launched at the time of this podcast, so download it, check it out, and if you're not, this could be a kind of a fun one to get started with. Uh, and we touched on this before, but basically this will be our adventure run for the for the 2021 year, so each additional session or each additional adventure will kind of support this overall campaign, so this could be a fun one to pick up and play and uh, kind of have your table just kind of mapped out already for the 2021 year. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, along that line about uh, the additional adventures, other than the beginning and the end, which will, you know, definitely tie together the middle episodes, uh, sessions, whatever, uh, they won't necessarily be that linear. Uh, We want to create this that uh, you can present them, however, or maybe give some plot lines for your characters, your players to pick up whatever they want to go after. So it's not necessarily they have to specifically do this and this in that order. Uh, so the middle chunk is going to be uh, plot points where they can do what they want. And that just adds to that versatility that we're hoping to achieve uh, for you guys to throw this in. And especially with uh, our release timeline. So this is going to be like every two months. Um, you can do a lot of things in between. And then one of these uh, adventures will come along and you can throw that back in and, and continue the story. So that will be out today with this episode. And, uh, you know, just again, a huge thank you, Drians, who enjoy this content. Uh, we definitely enjoy putting it out for you. And I've played a few one shots with some of our Patreons. And, and uh, you know, before or after a session, they just say, hey, you know, we use your we use your uh, hot crime lord person. And they're just fantastic. And the players loved it. And, you know, we love hearing that feedback uh, from you guys about that stuff. So, for sure. It's always nice to kind of hear uh, kind of what you thought of the adventure. So if you're the Patreon, feel free to put it on the message boards or even just direct messages. We always love hearing back from you guys and kind of how it played or even kind of what crazy thing your player got up to during the adventure. All right. So uh, I think that's everything on our end uh, for the Dungeon Jedi Masters news and whatnot. Uh, there is a couple uh, new releases for Star Wars 5e. We have a variant rule and a species. Uh, Tegan, if you want to uh, tell us about that new variant rule. This is a fun one. So this is actually, uh, basically the two new variant rules have come out are uh, just salt. I'm not sure I pronounced that right, but uh, uh, Desault characters as well as uh, Dichotomous characters. So Desault, and basically either way, these are ones that are usually going to result in stronger 
characters even more than kind of the baseline SW5E. These are basically if you're a DM that really just wants to ratchet up the challenge and go super beyond deadly, uh, this could be a good way to make sure your players are prepared for this. Uh, basically, to start with the assault classes or assault characters, this is basically going to allow you to run two classes simultaneously at the same level. Uh, so this isn't like multi-classing where if you're level 5, you've got to be 3 of one class, 2 of another. This is if you're level 5 fighter, or you're level 5, you're a level 5 and fighter as well as level 5 and operative. So you get both of those benefits simultaneously uh, where basically uh, the only thing, so kind of going through it uh, just kind of piece by piece, uh, so you get all of the different proficiencies, features, all that for the classes. Uh, the one piece you don't get all of it is the hit die. Uh, traditionally, you'll just go based off the, the higher average or roll, if you're rolling the hit die, roll the, the higher hit dice, and that'll be your HP for the character. Uh, but this can just really kind of get some crazy builds out there. Uh, one of my friends uh, and I did this a while back. We just did a level 20 uh, assault one shot, and it was just it's it's ridiculous. You can do a ton of cool things, but as a DM, I'll be honest, this was one that's, if you're DMing in like a long-term campaign, it can sometimes be a little bit of a pain trying to make good challenge levels for it, uh, but if you want to do kind of a one-shot, which is kind of balls to the walls, everybody's just super OP, this could be the fun way to do it. Uh, on the flip side, you got dichotomous characters. So this one's not too crazy OP. This is definitely kind of a good option if you want uh, somebody wants to have uh, two different archetypes, uh, but basically, uh, instead of like, so it's a kind of like a multi-class, but instead of having two different classes, it allow them to pick two different archetypes from the same class. Uh, so basically, uh, if you get somebody that wants to be for a sentinel, they want to be a force blade as well as a uh, uh, path of tenacity. They'd be able to multi-class, uh, hit that third level, uh, and then get both of their archetypes. Uh, so this is just kind of a cool one. This one's not too. This one's pretty decently balanced. So if you do have a character who just really wants both archetypes, this can be another way to have them get that and kind of be within the realm of the rules. Very nice. Yeah, a couple uh, cool options there, as you said. Definitely uh, the first one, the Jassault, uh likely gonna bring some power to that character base. So be, uh, be uh, cautious with that. But uh, you know, just further adds to the the massive customization options uh, within the game. Uh, the other piece that uh, was out, came out was a new species, uh, the Hoden. Uh, and this is a, uh, Hodens are a humanoid character. I uh, come in varying colors of skin. They have a uh, weird kind of snake-like hair. They're, they're like a antenna type thing, uh, temperature sensing. And um, they, they're known to uh, be botanists and healers. Uh, that's kind of their their claim uh, throughout the galaxy, uh, especially on their home planet of uh, Moltak. And uh, their name, Hoden, uh, translates as walking flower in basic. So it's a little bit to where that comes from and, and that aspect of their character. Uh, Hodens are an intelligence and wisdom-based uh, ability uh, character. So if you're going to be doing something uh, intelligence-based, uh, scholar, engineer, they'd be a perfect fit, uh, especially if you're going to look towards that uh, healer uh, class or healer uh, role. Uh, these would be a good option there. Uh, some of their traits here quickly. Uh, biological specialists, they have proficiency with medicine or survival. Uh, again, going back to that healing role. 
proficiency in uh, nature skill, proficiency with the nature skill. Uh, they have uh, reptilian senses, and whenever you make a perception check related to heat, sensing heat, uh, you are considered of expertise. Uh, second heart, always a great feature because uh, they uh, lore-wise have uh, two hearts. So uh, when you are reduced to zero hit points, uh, rather you can drop to one hit point instead. Uh, you get that once per long rest. That is a massive feature. Uh, can definitely save some people. Um, they have climbing ability uh, in there, and I think there's a couple other minor things. But uh, yeah, definitely a good uh, potential uh class if you want to fill out a specific uh, type of character, especially in that healing or nature role, these are going to be uh, right up your alley for that. So a couple new great additions to the system there. And I think, uh, Tegan, that takes us uh, into our main uh, content for the episode. So today uh, we're going to talk about uh, planning and preparation for a campaign. Uh, in general, we're going to talk about this uh, prior to that campaign existing. We might touch on a thing or two that uh, you can things you can do during the campaign, but generally this discussion is going to be about uh, getting ready for a brand new campaign. Uh, Tegan, how many campaigns have you run so far that like homebrew uh, that you've put together? Ah. Uh... Five, I think. No, four. Uh, so yeah, so I've run three different Star Wars 5e ones, uh, and now I've got a new D&D one that I'm running. Actually, no, five. I have, uh, a regular D&D one I did before the new D&D one, so five altogether. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so I always, I've actually I've never run a uh, a pre uh, kind of pre-designed campaign, so I kind of went off the deep end the first time and decided to do a homebrew one, and that kind of just stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, that's nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, even along the lines of just DMing, you need to just dive in. And myself, I've, uh, I wanted those training wheels and I have uh, basically been running uh, module adventures and I'm, I'm getting over it. Uh, you know, I, I finished the Tempest Feud, which was a great campaign itself. Um, you know, and I'm running Living Force, which is a module as well. But one thing with a module is sometimes you run into issues that are hard to adjust on the fly. Uh, unless you really know that whole story front to back, it can be tough. So that's obviously a benefit with the homebrew aspect. Um, you know, touching on this, I guess, a little bit, we'll probably also, most of this conversation will probably lend towards that uh, homebrew uh, campaign uh, creation as well. Um you know, a few things. If you're going to run something that's existing, I know Dawn of Defiance is one of the big ones out there that's uh, mostly been converted, I believe, for Star Wars 5e. Uh, you know, some of the prep is going to be as much as you can reading, you know, that adventure front to back, uh, just so you know that story, so you can adapt as things come up. Um, but beyond that, you know, so let's focus on, you know, if, if this is a campaign that you're creating yourself. So, uh, of course, first things you need to decide on what this story is going to be about, uh, the theme, the premise, uh, things like that. Um, Tegan, what are a few points that uh, you want to think about when you're sitting down to start your campaign? 
So definitely for Star Wars, one of the big things after you kind of set about your theme and Star Wars, like that's kind of my favorite thing with it, especially if you've read some of the different books and all the different movies even. Uh, and the Clone Wars is just so many different genres that can fit inside of Star Wars. Uh, so you could be, uh, if you want to kind of have like a, a good smuggling campaign, a little bit grittier, kind of a uh, more of a Wild Wild West style, you can go for that. You can do mystery. Uh, Star Wars even lends itself to politics. Like, there's so many different themes you can explore with Star Wars. So kind of narrowing down on one uh, and thinking that this is going to be my my theme for it's kind of a I think the best starting point because you can almost get overwhelmed with just all the different things that can pop up at you. Um, after that, I think the next biggest piece is finding what era you want to be in. Uh, so Star Wars has a ton of different eras. So you want to make sure you kind of uh, basically after you get your themes, see if it'll fit the era you're going for or, or tailor it uh, to kind of what's going to meet, uh, give the most options to your players. So I know a lot of people go with the Old Republic just because it opens up a lot of doors for both the players as well uh, as you, the DM, for different enemies they can come up against. But any era works well. You just want to make sure that you kind of think about it beforehand and really get everything set up. To fit well with your theme and era. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, going back to your first point on the theme and whatnot, uh, a little bit of a plug for our Galactic Basics series. Uh, the first episode we did on YouTube does kind of go over themes and whatnot of Star Wars and where Star Wars was influenced by and things you touched on, some of the old Westerns and other things like that. So uh, definitely look to that, look to movies and books that you've uh, read out there for that overarching theme. And then, um, yeah, you know, era is, is uh, that's one of the key, key parts of this. Uh, you know, and once you get that narrowed down, uh, then you start getting into some of the other details, okay? So if you're going to go with the Old Republic, for example, uh, you know, what are the key groups? What are the key factions uh, that are going to be there? Obviously, you have, you know, the Sith, you've got the Republic, uh, you know, what other groups are are involved in that timeline? And, and you start to sketch these things out and say, okay, uh, with my theme, who is going to be influencing the story here? Uh, maybe you have uh, some key enemies and allies that are going to come up. Uh, maybe a MacGuffin. Uh, Tegan, you did a YouTube video a, a bit ago that was on uh, different MacGuffins that you can use for your your uh, Star Wars uh, campaign as well. So these are all things that you can start to then flush out and say, this is kind of what I want my key piece to uh, revolve around. Definitely. And I know Star Wars is one of those ones that doesn't seem like there's going to be so many MacGuffins outside of a Death Stars or something like that. But there's a ton of them uh, that you can use, especially with kind of the Force imbued objects. So check out that video, but also just kind of troll through Wikipedia, Wikipedia uh, and see if you can find something cool or even just come up with something on your own. Uh, and it can really help flush around a campaign, at least give you a premise to pitch to the character or players. Yeah, and actually, um, you know, I just thought of it as you're saying that. Uh, I did just that for, so I, I did a little bit of a two-episode prologue for Tempest Feud, and this was outside of the Tempest Feud campaign proper, um, but it was a side story thing, and, and they found some lightsabers, and that was essentially the, you know, the MacGuffin, the key item, um, simply that they found it, and one of the players uh, had the ability of psychometry, could read the, the past uh, of that item, and then it, it basically... Uh, you know, surrounded the events of, of creating that uh, two-episode campaign. So simple as that. Just took a lightsaber. It doesn't have to be magical or anything. It could just be, you know, an old relic. So as, as easy as that. Um, but I think once you have, you've got your theme, your era, your, you know, flush out a lot of these pieces of, of the factions and groups and, and things, um, you know, and maybe this part fits in a little before that. But 
deciding on how you want your story to flow. Do you want to create an open world, more of a sandbox where your players can come in and, and you know, essentially have free reign and, and the characters really decide what they want to do? Or do you want a little bit more of a linear story? Are you really going to, you know, guide them, um, not railroad them, but guide them, you know, with the NPCs that they interact with and whatnot? Um, Tegan, do you, what do you kind of uh, go towards in, in that regard? Almost a little bit in the middle. Uh, so I like to give, uh, basically, I, I give options that are kind of on uh, a little bit guided options, probably the best way to, to put it. Different things I put in front of the characters that they can kind of go after if they want to or, or ignore if they want to, but still kind of within the framework. Uh, or even if, uh, if some of the players bring something to me, I, I'm happy to pivot towards that. Uh, but it's, I kind of move in the middle because sometimes a true sandbox won't give sometimes players won't know exactly what to do when they have they can do anything and i don't like one that's truly on rail so i kind of try to go in the middle as much as i can yeah absolutely and i i don't know if it was uh, with with you and i or somebody else i had mentioned this but i i saw a great example of uh in creating your world uh, and most of us know the star wars world but still um Anyone, most anyone uh, on our planet right now in real life can say, all right, I want to travel. I'm going to travel to, you know, wherever, travel to Europe or travel to, you know, across the U.S. And you know the world well enough that you can do that, right? You know how travel works, everything. But when you come into a, a role-playing game like this, you know, maybe some of those things aren't established. And that's to your point where in a sandbox situation, it could be uh, hard for the players to go ahead and do that. So if you can lay that out, that helps. And then if you want to do that very open box uh, scenario, that's uh, capable. But again, as you said, the guided story is definitely needed sometimes as well. Uh, you know, if you showed up session one and said, all right, what do you guys want to do? You know, that's going to also hinder you because you're not going to necessarily have anything uh, prepared unless you are super good at improving and especially, you know, creating up with encounters on the fly. Um, but you know, definitely something to consider uh, when you're looking at what kind of a campaign you want to run. For sure. And especially one of the added challenges, especially if you're playing like a virtual, uh, now if you're using Roll20 or Foundry uh, for kind of doing the on the fly is just having the monsters ready. For traditional D&D, &D, you can just kind of throw, like go in the library and just throw some monsters out. Uh, but with this, you have to make sure you create them and get them all up and running. So I usually have some like encounters like kind of pre-stored in Roll20 that I can throw out. But so if you're going completely off the rails, that could be one of the things you want to make sure you either have them prepped or or you're quick at putting monster data into the, the system so you can have that all up and running for, for kind of a surprise encounter that may come across. Moving on a little bit here, uh, I, I think once you lay things out, you need players. You know, you're the DM. You need you need players to play this game that you want to present to them. And, uh, you know, a big part of that is, of course, pitching your idea to the players and recruiting those players. Uh, Tegan, what have you found... Uh, that works well uh, for doing that and getting that going. Definitely. So kind of two ends of it. So pitching to your players, um, I actually did that right before we started the Hunted campaign. So I wasn't, I had a couple of different ideas I, I wanted to run, but I didn't have a kind of a clear one that was a favorite to me. So I just kind of put, uh, when I, once I had the players recruited, just put three different options. I forgot what the other two were. Uh, oh, one was like a smuggler type campaign, but the three other options I put up there and let the players vote and then, the hunted one won, so that's kind of what I formed the campaign around. So if you do have multiple options, giving it to the player's choice or letting the players kind of modify it or help put their input onto it can help with buy-in. 
but definitely the recruiting of the players piece is definitely an interesting one because uh, uh, the good and the, there's good and the bad to it. And basically, the good is that there's always way less DMs than there are players, so there's usually a good demand for good campaigns. But the hard part is going to be finding good players who are going to fit your style of play, be active and engaged, which can uh, be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, when I do kind of completely raw recruiting for campaigns, I have a little questionnaire, but that's and it's it's still a crapshoot. It's a Gonna kind of find it, it takes some time to find some good players you know that are gonna kind of really come in day in each game session and really kind of give it their all. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, backing up a little bit it, as you're presenting, uh, I, I think actually what you did for which is now hunted, but offering those options is great. If you're able to come up with even two options, come up with two campaign concepts and present those, uh, that's going to help when you're going to your players. Because uh, you said, Tegan, you said buy in, and that is that is so important here. Um, because if you don't have players that want to play your game, like th- that's immediately going to be an issue off the bat. So you need players that want to come in and, and be in your world, be in your story. One thing that can help there is, you know, maybe find your players first and then create that, that, uh, foundation together, you know, ask players, you know, what they want to do. And as a group create the foundation and then you as the DM can then start creating the story. And then that just, you know, as you said, creates that buy-in. And that kind of goes into one other point here in this section is, uh, you know, recruit specifically recruiting those players and, and putting out information. Um, you know, there's, there's subreddits, forums, uh, discord servers, all for looking for groups. Uh, and it's important to make sure you include the right info, and enough info and the right info. You know, you want obviously your campaign title, synopsis, what's it about, uh, the things we talked about earlier, era, how many players you're going to have. If there's a starting level, are you starting at one, three, etc.? cetera? Uh, you know, are you going to have a more of a light aligned campaign? Do you want your players to be, you know, maybe this is a, you're going to do Sith players, so it's an evil aligned campaign, uh, details like that. You know, just as much as, you know, good, concise information that will help you weed out um, players that don't want to play in a a game like that. I've gotten a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of players that say, oh, I've got a character concept ready. I want to do this. And that's definitely going to, you know, I think cause some uh, issues if you're trying to create a specific story that doesn't align with that. For sure. Uh, it's just really one of those ones that you really want to make sure. Because a lot of character concepts can be tweaked to fit in, but uh, back when I was still playing a live play, I had one player uh, who kind of came in with this concept pre-built and just uh, really, uh, it's pretty much like, a, I don't know if you guys, you guys probably all played uh, Force Unleashed. Uh, and he pretty much made uh, Galen Merrick, or the guy, the main character from Force Unleashed, and it just didn't fit the tone of the campaign. It just kind of, it's, it's it, basically, it was one of those ones that kind of created a, a barrier for everybody, because he he wasn't happy because the campaign wasn't going the way he envisioned his character kind of behaving in that campaign, and I wasn't happy because he wasn't really meeting kind of he wasn't really emerging or kind of immersing himself in the campaign kind of the world. He was kind of threw a, a character into it, and it was just really one of those was mismatch. So kind of getting that established and making sure your PCs or your characters are making PCs that are kind of fit in the world can really save a lot of headache for everybody involved. Yep. Absolutely. So all those things, if you have your concept already, make sure you put that information out there when you're recruiting players um, so that you don't get that situation. Otherwise, if you recruit your players ahead of time, you know, get everyone on board as they put their input in and say, as a group, we want to do a Clone Wars era campaign, for example. So 
Um, but, uh, you know, lots of ways to go about that. All right. So we have, um, we have our campaign uh, theme down. We, we've got the basics, uh, the foundation of that. We have our players ready to go. Now it's time to really start getting into developing that campaign. Uh, so research, uh, looking at that. Of course, Wikipedia is is going to be one of your go-tos for this. Uh, Simply Inspiration is, is I've used Wikipedia for um, inspiration. I've gone on many, many uh, rabbit holes just as linking from one uh, piece of information to another. Uh, so that's always a good thing. And then uh, using existing stories as inspiration, movies, books, a uh, couple of our, re- our recent story arc, Tegan and Hunted. Uh, I called out what I thought it was, and I, I think you did use that reference recently. Uh, but um Regardless, even if, if players recognize what you what you borrowed, uh, you know, quote unquote borrowed, it's still it doesn't mean that it's a bad story. It's you know, it's a situation that comes up. So, you know, use that stuff. Oh, definitely. And there's like the nice thing with stars, there's just tons of different stories that you can go from. Um, and it's like there'll be things that stand out to you that you just like and want to make sure they're a part of your game world too. Uh, like uh, for example, I, I like the Talanda Till. If you guys have read AC Crispin's Han Solo trilogy, it's a great one. If you haven't, definitely recommend it. But they played a large role in that, and they're just they're a cool species in my mind. So pretty much, I think every campaign in Star Wars I've run, they popped up at one point or another, and they just popped up and haunted. Uh, so if there's something like that that you like and you know you really like, uh, research it, read the books on it, and throw it in the campaign, even if it's borrowing a little pieces or kind of throwing a similar kind of aspect in there. It's it's something you enjoy, and you kind of enjoy them. Usually, make it fun, hopefully, for the PCs. Is there anything else that you do, Tegan, uh, in the regards to research? Uh, what's what's a little bit of uh, some of your methods, uh, and then kind of sticking with your pre-campaign, you know, before you even before session zero, as you're preparing things. Uh, anything else? So a lot of a lot of Wikipedia. One thing I really recommend, and I don't use them as much now that I'm not DMing at a table anymore. Uh, but the essential guides can be great for like getting inspiration or just kind of fleshing out things, uh, like the essential guide to the force or the central guide to military like there's just so many cool things they bring up uh, that can help you get ideas or inspiration for a campaign or even just help shape the world of star wars so you're bringing in some like kind of lore kind of real lore things into your campaign play yeah absolutely uh, even even when if you're running in a module or something you know expand some of your knowledge on the backstory of that module or the setting of that story and and those are all great resources so uh, you know, that's going to be somewhat your next uh, step there is, is building on that foundation of the campaign. So shifting gears a little bit here, we've got everything set up here, but we, we need somewhere to organize all this information and organize your players and whatnot. And, and these days with, with technology and, and everything, we have some amazing resources for that. Uh, you know, Discord's going to be the one that we're going to touch on here because it's just it works so well with this. I know that. Uh, you and I, Tegan, have all of our campaigns, I would imagine, are set up on Discord. It It's a great platform to organize things. Um, so we're going to touch on that a little bit and how we lay out our Discords. And we should be able to, we'll see if we can get it up uh, with this episode. But you can actually create a template from Discord. So we'll, we'll create our sample and then we can share that as a link. And then what you do is you just click on it and it'll pop up a new server for you, all ready to go with our suggested channels and whatnot. 
But um, Tegan, I really liked uh, your hunted, uh, the Discord for hunted, and and the the main categories for that. Uh, I've got them uh, here listed out. Uh, so we've got like a general section that's just for general chat, maybe a few announcements. Uh, within that, you could have uh, you know a specific announcements channel. Uh, maybe if you want to do some dice a dice bot um, a section for story information specific to the campaign. Uh, channels for your players. Uh, this is great for one-on-one with your DM, uh, talking about backstory, anything else. Maybe throw in a channel for two characters if they're doing a uh, co-backstory. I uh, have a section for table rules and information. If you're going to pull in some specific variant rules, uh, a, a section there for that. Campaign lore is a great uh, section to have uh, that goes outside of the story info. And then uh, finally, I like to... Um, and you might have this Tegan, but I'm not the DM, so I can't see it, but I do this in mind. Uh, a GM channel. Have a channel for yourself to make notes. Um, I use it to, in, in my games, when I'm preparing uh, a session, I'll throw in stat blocks, I'll throw in notes, things like that. Um, and it's just a great place to organize everything, and it's there. It's it's mostly accessible all the time, so you know it's just a good spot. Uh, what else to add to that, Tegan? Oh, definitely. So th- those are the, kind of the big pieces I usually have. And I usually do have a GM channel, too, where I can put some quick notes. Usually I, that's where I take notes for things I try to remember throughout the, the session. Uh, so like if something happened, I'll try to make sure I, I remember that so I can kind of reference it later. Uh, so that's definitely what I highly recommend. It's something you, only you as the GM can see. Um, the big piece, uh, and you mentioned these already, with the, I always like having the table rules there. So there's a quick one-stop reference spot. Uh, so if there is anything you change from rules is written or if you do have some of the variant rules that uh star wars 5e supports you can just put them right in there uh that way people have questions if they want to review them they have one spot they can check and i feel like it just decreases confusion i used to just kind of put them in the main thread and pin them but they can get lost easily that way so this way they've got one spot and it's easily referenceable uh, the only other big thing I would put in there, uh, I think you may have mentioned this too, is I always like to have kind of like a downtime RP channel uh, as well for players. That way, if there's anything they want to do between sessions, uh, they can kind of role play that out and help uh, build some character connections too. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the things that I mentioned were kind of your, I guess, our overarching uh, categories. I believe they're called in Discord. And then, yeah, within that, you're definitely going to have your sub-channels. Um, I was going to re-mention the, the role play as well, because I think I love having a, a role play channel uh, just for that offline uh, conversation as it comes up. So something like that, or maybe, you know, maybe you can't do a live session, so extend it and use your dice bot to do stuff uh, within there. Um, one thing that you did, Tegan, that I loved, and I still haven't really put it in practice uh, yet, but is the... Um, uh, where is it at? The the recap, uh, the session notes, I think. Yes, uh, session notes is, is what you've called it. Essentially, after each session, a recap of what happened. And this is excellent. It's it's basically, you know, when you get into this session and say, last time, you know, this is what we did. And, and it's there and it's a good reminder. It helps the, uh, it helps the players know what happened. Um, you know, maybe suggestions is... Uh, allowing the players to look to review that and say oh hey you missed this or this is how i interpreted something happen um you know it's always good there but that's a that's one specific channel i really liked Oh, thanks. And it's one that's like, nice for DMs, too, because I, I forget like a, something that happened in a session this way I can go back and read it while it's still fresh or while I'm planning something else for it. Uh, so it just gives me one spot I can just kind of go through and read exactly what happened and who did what uh, to just make my life a little bit easier as well. 
Yeah, for sure. Definitely a, definitely a great idea there. So as I said, we'll try and get a uh, link to this template for the Discord for you guys out there uh, if you're setting one up. And, and then once it's set up, you can go in and add stuff, subtract stuff, whatever you want to do. But it hopefully will set enough of a framework to help out. Um, you know, there's obviously other ways you can run this. You could set up some Google Docs, share, any type of shared document system uh, if you want to run this a different way. But uh, we just love using Discord for that. Um, and then uh, one other thing we'll touch on today is, and uh, we're, we're still, you know, in that uh, virtual uh, environment uh, with everything going on. So likely you're going to be doing that for your games. Uh, Roll20 and Foundry are going to be the two that we're going to talk about a little bit, um, mostly just because of our experience. Uh, I'm starting to get into Foundry a little bit, and it's a pretty cool system. Um, Roll20 has been our go-to so far, and it's it's pretty much a little to no barrier of entry. You can jump in for free, get in there and set up, and it's not too overwhelming. Uh, you know, it's got it, your dice rollers. That's basically what you need. Um, we do have a video on YouTube that can help you get set up in there, so check that out. But, uh, yeah, you know, just deciding on that uh, really is a personal preference. Um, as I said, Roll20 is hosted out there for you to just jump in. Foundry, there's a little bit more work on the DM end uh, to get into that. Uh, Tegan, any preferences? Uh, you haven't gotten into Foundry yet, right? So I haven't checked out Foundry yet. I've just only, I've really only used Roll20. Uh, so it'd be kind of cool. Uh, we've got the kind of a Foundry session coming up soon, but uh, I can see a little bit more about it. But Roll20, uh, it does a lot of cool things with it. And it's, uh, this, so I've only used it, but so far it seems pretty intuitive from what I've used and it's kind of quick to jump in and get everybody up and running. Yeah, it, you know, it does. It, it does what it needs to do, you know, help you facilitate that game. Uh, so you know, if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to run an online game, you know, setting that up and uh, preparing for that, uh, preparing anything else like uh, video, audio. Uh, we always use Discord for audio. Uh, we do use Zoom for video because adding video is a huge uh, boost in the experience of running a game online. So consider those things. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, a small piece of the puzzle here in your planning and preparation, but choosing that VTT is definitely going to be part of that. So, um, you know, I think that mostly wraps up before we kind of go into intro of our next episode that follows with the Foundry. But uh, Tegan, any other thoughts on on planning and preparation overall? Definitely. The only other big thing I would say, and uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, when you're planning, especially if it's your first campaign that you're planning out, uh, is just find the theme. Don't feel like you have to plan out each session because uh, players are always going to do something crazy and like a lot of your prep work is going to go to waste. Uh, the way I usually do my planning is like I have kind of my overall what what's going to happen with the BB, the big bad guy, what the, their opposing side is going to do, just kind of mapped out in my mind. Uh, but I only really plan for like the next two to three sessions. Uh, so I try to always organize my the campaign into two to three session arcs where they do something, they accomplish something, they kind of move on to the next one. Uh, and I found that's manageable for me because the first campaign I tried to plan everything out and it just, it went awry and I kind of stopped planning and just kind of went a little crazy. Uh, well, this way I found that it's easier to keep track of everything, know where I'm going to go next and keep everything moving and engaged. Yep, absolutely. You know, your campaign should be living. Uh, you know, people are going to do, you know, look at look at how people act. Uh, things change. And so people adapt to things and your your characters in your game are going to do the same thing. Your, your, play, your NPCs and then your player characters, of course. So, you know, that's, that's obviously a, a great point to just be adaptable. 
uh, and and uh, just have ideas of that end point or that end goal that you want to achieve and, and uh, you know, be flexible. Um, yeah, so with that, uh, there's a good transition at the end there, though, talking about the VTTs. Uh, our next episode is going to be uh, specifically talking about the Foundry uh, virtual tabletop system. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to try and reach out to the development team to see if we can get a guest on here and talk to them about that project. Uh, and we're going to touch on Foundry specifically because of the support that it's getting from uh, for Star Wars 5e. Um, it, you know, it's it's very open source, so it's going to potentially be one of these one of these uh, virtual tabletops that. Uh, as a DM especially, you're going to be able to jump in. It'll have the compendium aspects. It's very drag and drop, user-friendly to create characters, to run the game. Um, and then it's it's got a lot of great visual uh, elements to it as a system itself, Foundry that is. Uh, so anyway, that's going to be our next episode. And then uh, a little bit of a, uh, a how-to, uh, loosely how-to, um, but uh, a one-shot. We're going to do a Another one shot with a few of our counselors. Tegan, uh, you'll be there. I know I'm going to run it. And uh, we have a few others that will come and join us. That will be that following Friday the 19th, um, probably 8 p.m. We'll figure out the time slot and uh, show off what Foundry is and does a little bit. So I'm looking forward to that. It should be a blast. All righty. So. Uh, that's everything for today, everyone. Uh, we hope this helped for all you that are starting a new campaign. I hope you get that going. Uh, please let us know if you have any suggestions for those that have put together campaigns already, uh, any other tips you have, or if you are still in that new process, any questions you, uh, any other questions, let us know and we'll get to you. Um, thank you all again to all of our followers, listeners, and subscribers. Check us out, DungeonJediMasters.com. And uh, we'll see you next time. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.